Welcome to the Trusted Advisor Podcast brought to you by Iroquois Group. Iroquois is your trusted advisor in all things insurance. This week, you're listening to the special segment of Charlie's Corner, hosted by our very own Charlie Venus. Welcome to today's podcast. Our guest today is Virginia Bates. She is the president of VMB Associates, a consulting firm that specializes in education, agency management, and automation issues. She has over 20 years of experience consulting to agencies and carriers and managing insurance operations for both a carrier and a large regional agency. She has a background in all property casualty lines, experience as a director of a countrywide underwriting school, and direct involvement in many automated systems. As co-founder of VMB, she has worked with many agencies and brokers on profitability, reducing E&O exposures, internal operations, marketing strategies, merger and acquisition planning and implementation, valuation of books of business as well as agency valuations, managing carrier relationships, and intelligence selection and use of technology. Welcome, Virginia. Glad to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Charlie. That's quite a list, isn't it? It is quite lengthy. So you've got a breadth of experiences. So glad to have you here today. The topic I want to talk to you about today is very interesting to me because I spent 11 years on the independent agency side. And the topic is hiring and managing the external or outside sales force, the producers for independent agencies. The way I look at it, the independent, the typical independent agent needs to write more new business to grow their agencies. And over the last few years, most have benefited from increasing rates and now by inflationary factors along with the rate increase, but not necessarily what I would consider true growth. You know, when I look at problems I faced, most of the new business you get is from referrals. Top producers are essentially semi-retired. New hires don't meet their goals and don't validate in a two or three year period. You got producers that won't, don't want to prospect anymore. So what is an agency owner or a sales leader to do with all these issues that they face? That's a big question. It's certainly a question that needs to be answered in our industry. As you were speaking, an agency came to mind who's down in New Orleans and they've hired a lot. My hometown, by the way. Really? Girl, it's a great place. Yes. And they've hired a lot of ex-sports teams, players who have either timed out, aged out, or not been selected for a team as producers. And what's interesting about that to me is that when you think of, we talk about a a sales team or a producer team, I don't know any team that works without coaches and without specific coaches for specific positions and without the kind of leadership that most producers will tell you they think is lacking in agencies. And I think there are some reasons for that that have to be looked at before we can fix it. One reason is that the leaders in agencies very often are either really good salespeople or really terrible salespeople. There seems to be no middle ground there. The really good salespeople don't think they have to teach anyone because they're naturals and they think everybody who's going to be a good salesman is a natural and just send them out. They'll do what I did. They'll be fine. And the ones who can sell it all don't know what you need to sell well because they can't do it. So they leave their producer hires floundering and maybe even chose the wrong people to be producers in the first place. 
because they didn't know the traits that were needed. So we really have to look at the leadership in agencies first and figure out how to convince them to either display good sales management techniques or hire people that can. Hiring a sales director can be very expensive and out of reach for the financials of many agencies. Uh, one solution that I've seen work is if the agency is lucky to have a member of the sales team that is a natural born educator who has been more intellectually understanding of what it takes to be a good producer and has won the respect of the others in the producer team, even if that's only one or two people, that person can very often step to the plate and become a sales coach to the others. Sometimes that happens informally. Sometimes it's because that individual is designated and requested to do that. But it can be very successful if the agency is blessed with that type of an individual on the sales team. And the other option is there are outside consultants who can be sales coaches and can be you know, affordable in the sense that they're working with five or six different agencies at a time so that they can adjust their fees to still earn what they're worth, but give that option to smaller or mid-sized agencies. So there are lots of options and a good agency principal should explore all of those options and find one that works rather than just let producers flounder. Well, it's interesting you mentioned about the agency in New Orleans hiring former athletes because we have a member in Alabama that does the same thing and they've gotten great results hiring former athletes. And I think it goes to a large part in terms of what you were saying. Number one, these people are trained to work hard, to practice. It's astounding to me when you get to sales that most producers don't want to do role play. They don't want to do anything to practice what they're going to go out and try to do. Where athletes are used to practicing, they try to perfect right. their technique. But on the sales side, people hate to do that. They yeah. hate to do role plays. They think they're going to be embarrassed by it rather than improve their skills by it. So when, when you're looking at these things, the other question I have for you, are the agencies really hiring salespeople? Or are they truly doing their due diligence and finding somebody that has sales skills or they're finding somebody that they think has insurance knowledge above the sales skills that they need and interpersonal skills? Given the choice, I'd rather have them do the latter. In general, they're doing the former. They're finding people that are somehow connected to the agency, maybe sons and daughters of friends, maybe sons of past producers, occasionally daughters of those people. And they are hoping without testing, without verification, that these people will succeed. And what I've been encouraging agencies to do is, first of all, broaden that search and make it less personally connected and more talent and skill based. And then second of all, test these people with some good tools to double check their own intuition and gut feeling of whether somebody will be a good producer. Again, because we don't have a lot of models of good producers, we don't have a lot of formulas for what will make a good producer. So we're relying more on hope than analysis. And that's cruel because it puts people into a position in which they very often cannot succeed and uses up years of their career development time 
just mean to them. It would be far better to find the right people and let the people who are wrong find their bliss elsewhere. I think testing is a huge component, as is broadening the recruitment aspect of finding these candidates. And of course, that means making the insurance industry seem a whole lot better than natural and general perception of it within the society. We have to make insurance sound exciting. Well, I know it's not exciting, but when you get into the business, you can make a very good living at it. And for some reason, it, it just doesn't seem that, like that message gets out to people that it's a good career path. You know, we, we have the issue in terms of hiring. Now, what do we do badly or poorly from a compensation standpoint with producers? That's one of my favorite topics. One of the things that we need to be doing is explaining that insurance in a way is a public service. And I'm thinking of situations where a company has a physical loss and because the insurance was written correctly, employees continue to get paid during the repair phase of the loss settlement. And families can continue to take care of their children during that settlement. I'm thinking of the fact that a homeowner's house can be rebuilt because a producer made sure that the limits were correct when it was written. We don't emphasize enough the good that we do for the community and for the individuals within the communities that we serve. And I think if we stimulated that sense of public service and social responsibility in our industry, which is alive and well and has always been there, we would be able to get the right kind of people not only to come into the industry, but actually feel proud of it because pride in it is one of the distinguishing factors of a really good producer. But having gotten that producer in, your question about compensation is perfect. And it's one of the ways that we fail in the industry. And by failing, I mean a couple of things. One common way of doing it is to replace a retiring producer with a new producer and immediately give the new producer the book of business written by the senior producer. So we give that to the new producer and that producer gets fat and happy and doesn't really feel the need to write any more business because that book of business is giving him or her good compensation. We should stop doing that and we should analyze that book of business to see which of it really needs a producer and spread it around to producers perhaps some to the new producer, but leave a lot of it as house business in the capable hands of an internal account manager and make sure that the new producer has to write business in order to succeed. Because one of the things we know about successful producers is they're hungry. And if we satisfy that hunger without new business requirement, then we hobble that producer. The second thing we do is either not specify or get wimpy about the period of time that we'll pay a salary for a training phase. Certainly, if you hire someone who's going to be a good salesperson, has all the right indications, but doesn't know anything about insurance, they need to be taught insurance and they need to be paid for that training period, for that education period, so that they can support themselves and their family. However, what happens is many agencies continue to pay that producer way past a validation period, and that gives the message to the producer that production is not necessary. It also gives the message to everybody else in the office that they're working hard and the producer is not succeeding and the agency is not acting in a fair and equitable way. 
So it creates morale problems within the agency too. The third thing is we need to set up schedules that make sense. We need to give a high commission for new business because that's what we want most. We need to give a fair commission for renewal business that needs a producer involvement. And we need to take accounts that don't need continuing producer involvement and make them house accounts from their second year on and not allow a producer to expect to be paid to not handle accounts that account managers are handling just fine internally. So those are the three areas. We have to set up a good validation schedule. We have to stick with it. We have to have a logical compensation strategy, and we can't make producers too comfortable financially from the get-go. When you look at the metrics, so there would be key performance indicators for producers that any agency should be looking at. In your mind, what would those key performance indicators be that should be reviewed at least, if not on a monthly basis, on a quarterly basis? Some of them are numerical, some of them are behavioral. The numerical ones would include how many prospects are being worked at at any particular time. I subscribe to the rule of 30, that a producer who has fewer than 30 live prospects that have been vetted doesn't have enough pool to create success from. A producer who has much more than 30 isn't really attending to everyone because your time is limited by the workday. And so that rule of 30 applies. So having those in a database that is documented is important. And then having a hit ratio on prospects, we don't expect every prospect to be written, but we want a hit ratio that makes sense. And that should be in the area of 50 to 75%. And that means we don't waste time working on no-goes. We spend time on prospects that have a likelihood of success for us. Those are the two metrics numerically that we should look at. The other behavioral one is how often contact is made with clients and how well that contact is documented in the agency system, which means producers should be using the agency system so that their activities can be tracked, their activities can be E&O safe. And so when a prospect becomes a client, the history of that client is available to the account manager so that we look like a team that can truly handle the client's needs and care about the client, and we show caring by knowledge of the client's particulars. So use of that database to me is a very important management requirement for a good producer. So Virginia, we've been through a pandemic for two years, and and the whole model got flipped upside down for agents that were that were used to doing business face to face. What were your findings and observations there after going through the pandemic? What kind of impact did that have on agency performance, either positive or negative? That's a really interesting question. I think what it did was it brought more recognition of the use of technology into producer ranks, and they've learned to use it intelligently. They've learned to use Zoom. They've learned to do uh, proposals and presentations remotely through technology, which has been useful to them. They've also learned to use the phone successfully. What I keep telling producers when I do sales training is your voice is your most powerful sales tool. Your voice can show whether you really care, whether you're sincere. It can show whether you're really listening to what the other person is saying. If you have to deliver bad news, such as pricing currently for many parts of the country, it can show your empathy with the customer 
because price hikes are hard to take for most businesses and nonprofits and households. So your voice is very powerful. And I think producers have learned the power of that and just using the phone and remote tools. But they've also learned that you can be with someone in a safe environment. I've seen insurance meetings outside in parks or the uh, one agency I know set up a meeting space outside so that customers would feel safe and the producer was able to converse and demonstrations with some tools outside in person, which I thought was kind of nice because being outside gives a little more freedom, a little more casual element to it. It was very successful. It was different. And when you're selling something like insurance that many people don't feel is, as we said earlier, exciting, doing something novel, like having a meeting space outside is an attention getter. So things like that is how they've coped. What I'm seeing now is that more and more we're going back to a much more traditional conference room meeting style. So I'm hoping that we can retain some of our understanding of Zoom for long distance and even that outside work where the climate allows. Well, in the Zoom or Teams meetings, I mean, whatever you're doing from a video conferencing standpoint enables the producers to stay in contact with their client much more frequently if needed. So if it's just to touch base for 15 minutes, it's much easier to do on a Zoom call than an in-person call if you got to drive an hour or two exactly. to see the client. And if you're in a specialty market where geography is not your driver, but the industry is, that means that you can expand your market base geographically, have many more prospects, and be well-known in a larger area and get referrals even further out and increase the agency's revenue and your own individual compensation. So it's all good news. There may be some positive outcomes from the pandemic. And accompanying that is the fact that because we, out of necessity, are hiring younger producers who grew up with technology and feel very comfortable with it, and a lot of the insurance buyers have grown up with technology, we have a much broader range of tools that we can use now to satisfy needs. And of course, there'll still be people who want to have only personal contact, and we can accommodate that too, as the world health situation gets back to whatever we're going to call normal. Now, we're running short on time, but I wanted to get to looking at producer management issue and leadership issue. What's the a strategic or proactive approach to address this problem from an agency standpoint? If you were going to list one through three, what would those items be? A little bit of a recap of what we've already talked about. I think item one would be to test candidates for a producer position. Point number two would be to set up a compensation strategy that encourages new business and appropriate attention to renewals. The third point, which is something that we I kind of glossed over, but I probably should have emphasized more, is teaching especially a new producer, even if they've worked somewhere else in insurance, how your agency works internally. So the teamwork can be appreciated and understood, and there can be mutual respect throughout the organization. But also by going out with producers and watching how they do presentations and doing post-meeting reviews, both on the positive and things that could be better, so that we're constantly improving. It's kind of like practicing, as you mentioned, in a role play or practicing for a, a theater play. A director gives counsel and then the actor gets better over time. And producers need to hone their skills continuously. Even really good experienced producers 
have to continuously change to deal with demographic trends, economic trends, and just societal changes, how we deal with individuals in our society. And if we keep ourselves sharp, we can stay successful in the marketplace. Yeah, so that continuous improvement always comes into play. Well, Virginia, it's been great talking to you today. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what would be the best way for them to do that? The best way is either to email me or call me. And I'll give you two phone numbers, 781-665-0623 and also 781-929-1225, or they can always email at bmbinc at aol.com. And yes, it's an old fashioned email because the whole world has it and I refuse to change it (laughs) because I was early implementer. It is always a pleasure to hear from anyone either, even just with a quick question or if they're worrying about a long-term project, I would love to talk to them about it. We appreciate your valuable insights on this topic. Thanks again for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Trusted Advisor Podcast. This is the final episode in this series. We want to give a big thank you to our listeners and to all the amazing guests who have shared their expertise. Iroquois is your trusted advisor in all things insurance. Thanks again for listening.